Good evening. You know what? I know that I haven't been pushing the dice because they changed their name. Metallic Dice Games is no longer Metallic Dice Games. It's now Fan Roll. Uh, you can still get 10% off by using the code SMSDICE10. <clears throat> Go there. 10% off of any of your orders with the code SMSDICE10. But go to fanroll.com. No longer metallicdice.com. So we're still doing it. We're still we're still doing our sponsor there. Um, great bunch of stuff they're putting out. Boom. I like these really nice dice. Really nice dice. Except for, yet again, I've, you know, love that. So, remember, it's now no longer Metallic Dice Games. It is now Fan Roll. So, SMS, D-I-C-E, 10. Get 10% off your purchase. And now, get ready for the show. Hello, welcome to today's episode of the Group Therapy Podcast. Today we have comic book artist extraordinaire, Daniel Leister. Oh, hold on a second. Sorry, I'm going to have to take it. Mm. Uh, of course, I get a cough right when I say this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> comic book artist extraordinary, extraordinaire, Daniel Leister. Tell us about yourself, Daniel. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, I've just been working in the industry for almost 17 years now on mostly independent books, like uh, started around um, with a real independent book called um, The Sire with Michael Dolce, and that was just pretty much getting into the whole swing of the whole things and doing an ongoing book for a while there. And then uh, through that, I actually got um, Alice in Wonderland through Zenoscope, which was actually returned to Wonderland. That lasted for a while and then I got, that was ending. And then I got, was super lucky and got onto Hackslash for another couple of years. And um, after that, I you know started having kids. So I kind of had to back off of uh, ongoings for a while. Uh, so I could actually spend time with my family. <laughs> um, but uh, everybody's almost in school now. I'm down to, my three-year-old who uh, just got potty trained, he's like so close, um, <laughs> is about to possibly go to school next year. So I might be uh, starting to be able to get more time to get back into more work. So I've got several projects I'm working on now that are um, basically just want to hit the ground running. So um, I've just got a bunch of stuff going on right now. I got one that I'm working on currently for a metal band it's going to be a fun combo uh the band's called kaleido it's a metal band i don't know if you've ever heard of them uh k-a-l-e-i-d-o kaleido like kaleidoscope uh, they're fun um and it's basically just a just a kind of fun force you story about them and like saving the world with rock and stuff like that just it's 
it's it's a lot of fun. It's gonna be fun. That's cool. I thought uh, it reminded me of some old eighties cartoons and stuff like that, and I thought I could have fun with it. So uh, I thought it'd be a really fun thing to work on. And then um, I don't know if I ever talked to you about it, but I um, I've been trying to write and draw my own stuff, and I'm writing my second creator own uh, work now called Metal Ice Cream which is a web comic book that's going on right now that you can check out for free. And um, issue four just started a week or so ago. And I put up like one page a week, um, usually on Wednesdays. And I'm, this story arc is going to issue six. So it'll probably last in the next year. Just give me basically time to do the next one, um, which I don't know how long that'll take, but uh, that's, like one of the like soul projects, I guess you could say like one you've always kind of wanted to do. Um, so I'm getting really excited on finishing that one. Um, so that's that and Christmas and the family. That's pretty much all I've got going on. That's pretty much here too. Uh, getting stuff ready for Christmas. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't have the young kids anymore. I got my youngest is 12 now. So mm-hmm. yeah. All the, Almost all, all I, teens. Nice. I had uh I had the realization about a year ago. I was like, oh man, I'm a father of three adult children. <laughs> I was like, it's weird. That is very it, it's still very bizarre. I talked with my wife about that, and it's just it's just surreal to have the thing twist the other way like that. And you're like, oh, I'm on this side of the thing now. Oh, okay. All right, I gotta be the dad. Okay, right, right, right. I thought when I'd have kids, I'd grow up a little bit, but I think it got worse. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think there's a part of you, you're trying to give them the best surroundings and stuff. So, and also to like, not exactly create a bubble, but just, you know, protect the kids and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I think there's a part of you that's protecting parts of yourself that you want to hold on to, too. I, I feel that a lot where I'm like, that's where a lot of these stories are coming from for me. It's like, I want to hold on to some of these things. Because with kids and everything, just everything just moves so fast oh, that no, if you don't hold on to some of this stuff, it's just gone. That That's like uh, I had the realization I'm sitting there talking to my kids and and, you know, my my middle boys have gone to conventions with me forever since they were little, little. And when did they start? Jeez. Uh, um, What's that one poster in the back there with the girl laying down on the hands of her hand? What is that? That one? Dream? What is that one? Deadly Blessing. Deadly Blessing. I don't know if I've ever seen that one. I've seen that poster, but I can't remember if I've actually seen the movie. It's an old Wes Craven movie with Ernest Borgnine in it. Mm. Where he plays like the uh, weird, like almost Amish cult leader. Is it worth it? It's decent. It's 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 early. It's early Wes Craven. So, but it's mm. fun. Um, I just love the poster. Yeah, that I, I remember seeing that. That is a good poster. Yeah. Yeah. I have that one, and the one next to it is Prom Night 3, a prom night movie that no one remembers. Is that Hello, Mary Lou? No, that's two. That one is Last Kiss. I don't know if I've ever saw that one. I saw two. I don't remember if I saw three. Well, one is the Jamie Lee Curtis one that's onto itself. Then you have Hello, Mary Lou, which is two. And then two, three, and four are all Mary Lou. And have nothing to do with the first one. I mean, at a certain point, they just go wild with it. And you're like, all right, whatever. Oh, definitely. But um, 
as I was, I was saying, is uh, my kid, we would go to conventions and, and um, I remember taking my kids to the old mid Ohio con. Mm. So uh, there's pictures of them because they, they were where, in, where was it? there was first downtown. Was it like the Marriott or something downtown? Yeah. And, and then they moved out to East and for a little while. Mm -hmm. And then was it after that? I think wizard bought it shortly after that. Right. Yeah. Um, they were well before Wizard took it over. There's pictures of them in the uh, Columbus paper uh, with my kids. They they were interviewed when they were little for the paper because the the the, the guy caught them like reading the back of a toy like intently, <clears throat> and it. But yeah, they they've been going with me forever since they were probably, I want to say like eight and six. So. Did you let them just run around the show or do you like, do you have them sit down and have jobs at the booth or what were you doing? Well, no, this is when we would just go. Um, oh, okay. yeah. um, then you just kind of walk around as a whole yeah, family. We, we walk around. Yeah. Uh, when we got older, um, Brandon kind of got away from it, but my son, Joe, who's now 23, um, he still goes with, goes to conventions with me. He worked this, this Sunday with me and, uh, cool. know, he, he, he still likes it. He's like, he goes, don't get me wrong. He goes, it gets boring sometimes, but he goes, there's always that one time where something gets really cool. And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, so. they're, they're pretty much. Yeah, that's it. I know I got my, my, my eight-year-old and I'm trying to figure out maybe next year if, or the year after is the first one I should bring him to, let him walk around a little bit. Yep. It, my kids grew up in that. And uh, I always, I always felt sorry for them. Cause I'm like, I'm sorry, guys, you guys never had a chance. You guys have been in the same day one. You kind of stuck. Yeah. Don't even know it yet. Oh, God. I was like, well, we have the ongoing joke with Joe is, is that Joe is, is, is like a young, is me, you know? And um, he works at the shop. He He's with me at conventions. He does all this other stuff with me. And I go, here's the thing though. I was like, one of these days, this will be yours because none of your other brothers have any, you know, don't really care about it. And I was like, so is that Does your plan? Huh? Does he have interest in that side? Yeah, yeah. Joe in that does. Direction? Yeah. Very he, nice. That'd be very nice to be able to kind of to build the thing and be able to pass it off, to, especially if he's interested in it. That'd be very yeah. nice. Yeah. He he likes it. He either certain aspects. Of course, you know, he he likes the the interacting with the customers and stuff like that. He hates certain books though. And that's the one job he gets every Saturday is putting books away. <laughs> Mm. um but no it, it's <clears throat> it is nice um you know like i said we've been going to the conventions here in ohio forever and uh shoot i i think mid ohio might have been where i met you i believe possible uh, yeah yeah the uh back back in the the old that day. or probably or city or yeah yeah like maybe yeah one of them too well what was funny is i'm going through my artwork the other day and i found uh the three pieces I got off of you, one some of the pieces I got off of you, but it's literally, I believe it's your test pages you did for Zenoscope. It's a little five-page um, uh, story. I have Jack three of the five-page. It's the girl. Jack and Jeller. It's the girl. Um, I want to say like she's a, a mermaid or something, or she comes out of the water. Yeah. No. Okay. That I did that with Raven Gregory. Who eventually who did the uh, wrote um, one the Wonderland series and everything? Uh, I think he was going to do that as um, 
a creator and like he was gonna um bring that to Zenoscope and see if that was something they were interested in publishing or or to another uh publisher like image or something else uh so i did like a couple of test pages yeah and from that i think that's one of the things how i got the uh wonderland gig is through that actually because that that actually never happened and then i just ended up slipping was it rich bonk was the original artist and he had some family emergency or something that happened where he had to like just tap out and says like i got other stuff i have to deal with and uh they gave me a ring and i was like absolutely let's go so haven't looked back since yeah well what's cool is is that um there's a lot of you guys that got a good start with zenoscope i yeah i am very very lucky i I was with them for almost three years and I did, you know, return beyond escape, mm-hmm. um, little stories in between, um, a bunch of art for the whole thing. So I'm my, like me I, Raven and I's hooks are pretty much in that whole beginning part of it. So that was very nice to be a part of that. And there went to a bunch of cons and met a lot of great people. It's great. Yeah. And uh, well, it's it's funny looking back at, at your your beginnings in there, and it's like I said, there's a lot of guys who went on to do better, to do more than Zenoscope. Because I, I, I <laughs> but you, let me tell you what happened to you. <laughs> you you could have done better. <laughs> well, I, I always felt bad because sometimes, like the artist that would pick up on a book after, like when you left. Uh, the the uh wonderland stuff it was always just either a hodgepodge of fill-in artist or just guys who were you know competent i don't i don't want to sound bad i don't want to put nobody down but yeah 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 it was just to keep the book going and i thought that that you know you you worked on those books you had metters who came in did some stuff on there you had uh, uh, Tony Castillo um, doing some stuff for early and you had these guys who were fantastic artists and it was all starting in there. And that's where Campbell started out with those um, fantasy stuff. That's he, when he started doing the covers for Wonderland, that's when it started there and all the um, print Disney princesses and stuff he's been working on this past few years and mm-hmm. the figures and everything. It started from that. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, realistically, Campbell was a uh, was a what a uh, um, uh, under Jim Lee's banner when he first started work. He did Gen Thirteen, and then yep. he was he was really kind of a um, an unknown um, resource at that time, I guess. And then he picked up and started doing all those uh, princesses. Well, once he started doing Gen Thirteen, I think, and that got really popular back in the nineties, and. And he really started playing with his style and that got really popular. And then he did Danger Girl, which I was totally a fan of. And that kind of got him up a little bit more. And then he, I think around around there, he just started doing a lot more covers and stuff. Yeah. And uh, like I said, you got those princesses covers and those just took off like They look fantastic. I know. Nia colored a lot of that stuff and it looked amazing. I, I had to explain to somebody well relatively recently he's like nia did all this work on stuff and i was like you know it's it's her real name full name was stephanie right and what <laughs> i was like i had to go find a picture <laughs> i she likes to be called nia so i just call her yeah name. it was it was one of the ones that that um he thought was a guy 
And uh, I, I don't know, but yeah, I had to go find a picture. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's short for Stephanie. And they're like, oh, yeah. I was like, I, I don't know if she does. I haven't seen anything from her in a long time. She got out of the comic industry, as far as I know, and is doing a lot of um, her own work, actually, like more art work and mm -hmm. um, consignment stuff, I think. Not consignment. I don't know if that's the right word, but basically just commission making work. Product, yeah. Commission work. Yeah, it's just her own stuff. I haven't talked to her for a while. I haven't seen her. Yeah, I think the last time I saw her was at uh, C2E2, like the second one. If that tells you how long ago that was. Or maybe the that third was a while one. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Back when I could afford to go to Chicago. <laughs> this last one, I was like, ah, oh, how am I going to do that? Oh, man. Do you, you still do a lot of conventions every year? Or just I got a handful? No, no, no. Um, I was slowing down a lot. Um, well, when I did uh, The Sire, uh, it was with Michael Dolce, who worked with Image or mm -hmm. uh, Wizard at the time. So he was able to get me tables at almost every show I could make it and then we would both go to the show and like he would come with me and be at the table for a bit but then also go off and do uh wizard work as well helping out with the show so I was able to hit a lot of shows that way and um a book actually I did before the sire it was called Celestial Alliance with with which which was with Darren Sanchez who also worked for Image so I also had kind of a way in that and that's how I got to be Mike and I was just able with with those connections i was able to hit a bunch of cons so i started that and i mean i wasn't married or anything like that so i was able to jump all over the place and uh thankfully make a little start being able to start making a little bit of money here and there which is really nice um because in the beginning you just going on adrenaline and, and enjoying the whole experience and then you late later on you're like if I want to keep going to these things, I think I need to start making some money. So it's, it gets a little tougher. Um, but once I had kids and everything, I, I knew it was going to slow down a bit. And I, I didn't mind. I, I really didn't want to be on the road like every weekend. I wanted to be home oh, working yeah. like whatever projects I have and, and going out and like promoting it from time to time, but not like having to do it all the time. And then um, I've just started going to a couple recently. I'll probably do... A few more next year. I'm hoping to do like Baltimore. Uh, I want to do Heroes again. I, I always thought that was a really good show. Um, and maybe C2E2, maybe one other one. We'll see. Like a couple, a couple of the big ones I, I, I'd like to go to again because they're just really nice and you can see a lot of people and friends. Yeah. And that, that's the one thing I missed during, I hate to say this, during the pandemic is there are so many people I didn't get to see because I do conventions and there's people I call convention friends that I talk to every time and I didn't see them for like a year and a half. And yeah. it was like, man, I missed the hell out of those people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so I have to ask, who did you like, did you, is somebody you wanted to emulate when you started drawing uh, or did you just kind of. In my drawings? Yeah. When I. Comic books kind of bounced around when I first started. Like I would see them here and there, but I didn't really like, latch onto them for a while. Like I was, I was watching one of your episodes, uh, and you asked something like this, and I was trying to think of some of the earliest stuff I could remember because I don't remember like the very first one that I was like touched. But I remember one that was like a Batman versus Hulk versus Joker. That was a one shot or something like that. Yeah. 
and I don't even remember actually reading it. I was just looking at it and I was just so absorbed into the whole thing and it was so crazy. I totally need to find that book again. Uh, I almost um, picked another one up this weekend. It's a, well, it's, it's a treasury. Well, originally it was a treasury. Right. That oversized book. Uh, then they re-released it later, which I have the uh, like the standard comic book format size, which you can still find, and it's relatively cheap. You can still find what's it, it. What's like, it? What's it called? Just Hulkman, Batman versus Hulk. Hulk, Hulk, Batman, and it's a Marvel DC Treasury something. I gotta uh, get. I, it's one of those ones that I haven't seen for years, but just kind of rolling around in your head from time to time. Um, but then the one I remember actually latching on to, we moved from california to maryland and our house the development our house was in wasn't finished yet so our house was still kind of being built so we moved into an apartment and put all of our stuff in storage so i i didn't have video games or anything at that time and and we were out doing something like my dad for the company he moved with they needed like product photos and someone to be like holding the product oh you know what's this and and we went out and he, my dad was doing product photos. He's like, yeah, I'll do that. Sure, whatever, make some extra money. So my mom and I were doing, hanging out while he was doing that and and uh, went to go get some food at a grocery store and there's a spinner rack. And uh, I was looking through, just kind of like, ha ha ha. And G.I. Joe 68 was on there. And I was like, oh, G.I. Joe. You know, I was a total G.I. Joe friend from the cartoon. So I was like, mom, can I just, I like, yeah, fine, whatever. And And from that one, I was like, oh, this is really cool. And like, where can I get more comic books? And then, because you go to back to the spinner racks, but they only have whatever they have and mm -hmm. you couldn't do anything else. You just, you're victim to whatever's there. So I was like, I can't remember how I found it, but I found like in the yellow pages, like the local comic book shop, which was with this total hole called Barbar the Barbarian Bookshop in Wheaton, maryland and it was a total hole in the wall i mean it was smaller than the room i'm in now and i could like touch the walls and there were stacks of books to the ceiling and it was a total mess and the cash register guy was behind this pile of stuff and you could barely come out and there was an actual hunchback that worked there it was amazing um uh, and i started getting books there and i wasn't thinking about the art i like drawing and stuff and i've tried playing around with drawing comic books and stuff but i i never actually thought about drawing comic books at that point i just was totally into the story because gi joe got really cool there for a while with, oh, yeah. you know, with characters and i i still still need to meet larry hannah and get a couple of his autographs before before we lose him someday um unfortunately hope that is a while off but um the one book that I think really kicked me in the face for art was uh, uh, McFarlane's Spider-Man Torment. That that first issue, I never really followed Spider-Man that much. Um, I'd kind of float around with the main guys. Like, I mean, of course, like the 88 Batman came out. Of, everybody was going to grab Batman stuff. I wasn't even sure what I was doing. It was just like, this Batman's awesome. But that Torment one... And that five issue and then i think after issue like 21 or something they started up image and he did started spawn mm -hmm. 
and I, I was done after that when like all the artists went and like everybody got all the different artist books. I was I started thinking I want to draw comic books, and this that's what I want to do from there. And then started going to the shows and talking to people and doing whatever I could. Yeah, it's 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 funny because um, I, I when I was a kid, I, I there were certain artists that I latched onto. And this was before Image, before all that. And I was at the end, so I didn't really get the Kirby and the Ditko and stuff like that. I did mm-hmm. later on in life. Um, but my my big ones were uh, Mike Zeck and uh, like Art Adams. And uh, yet again, Spider-Man, it was the last hunt. That that whole thing, man, that caught me. That still catches me to this day. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. That's one um, of those that's one of those Spider-Man stories. You're like, dude, where did this come from? This is awesome, you know? It's like and it just comes out of nowhere. I went back and read those books and it's like kind of goofy Spider-Man stories, kind of goofy Spider-Man stories, the last hunt and then goofy Spider-Man stories. You're like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> and, and it's, I, I, I am, I am OCD. So the legitimately, I think I have five sets of that over the years. Cause anytime I find one, like in a dollar box, I snag it. And I put it away and it, it, it goes in the collection and, and everybody's like, are you going to sell those? I'm like, I probably should. So I can make more room, but I don't know. <laughs> Cause it's just there, there. There was one Spider-Man. It was a, just a one shot book with Bernie Wrightson. What was it? Nook. He's got this weird name where Spider-Man goes off in this bizarro world. Yeah. I got and, that somewhere. Yeah. And, and he fights this big blob that changes, yep. keeps changing. Yep, and because it was Bernie Wrightson drawing it, it was freaking amazing, and gave me nightmares. And that one, I I need to pick that book up again. That was such an unbelievable book. I just I, for the I, art alone. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. I I when I met Bernie Wrightson, that's one of the things I got signed by. I got that Creep Show, uh, Hulk thing, and um, I got him to sign my Mary Shelley one time. Well, I, I, I got a great Bernie Wrightson story. Yeah. I, I went to Motor City Con when he was there. First time I ever get to meet him. I, I'm I'm fanning out bad because he's like legitimately one of my favorite artists of all time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have, um, I think, Creepshow. I have Cycle of the Werewolf, um, like a Swamp Thing, uh, the first few issues of Swamp Thing, and, and a couple other books. And I'm going there, sitting there talking. He's by himself. He's in this little, like, spot in the middle so he's got this little setup and we're sitting there talking and it was back in the day when you know there wasn't a big line so we we, we get no one rushing us or nothing and me and my buddy are sitting there talking to him what felt like forever but it was probably like five minutes and he this is the early days of cell phones so he gets his phone call and he's like yeah hey he goes um yeah i got some people who might want to talk to you they're big fans and he hands us the phone, and on the other end is Stephen King. Ah. And me and my buddy about crapped our pants. We're like, uh, yes. What, um, what, did, what did you say? He said, it was hello? Uh, he's like, hello, heard you like my stuff. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, Could you tell it was him on the phone? It sounded like Stephen King. I mean, you know, it was one of them ones because his voice is so, you know. <clears throat> Very specific, was, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, and I hand it off to my friend, and he's like, we're both just like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> what are you going to say? Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy we your work. Thanks. With Stephen King on the other 
<laughs> nobody nobody and uh yeah that's 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 my first burn best my first and best bernie wrightson story and that's a good I met, one that's i really met him good. a couple times after that but that was my, that was my favorite the um, only one only kind of story like that i had that was really nice i mean there's always little nice ones but the kind of always kind of stands out to me as i was checking into the hotel at um wizard world chicago rosemont one year mm -hmm. and i was checking in with my friend and behind us walked burn um stan winston mm -hmm. and i just i just like i'm just gonna say hello you know i was like mr winston i enjoy you. such beautiful work thank you so much for all thanks for coming blah 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 and he's like oh thank you and just talked to me for a little while and just just shot the shit for a minute i was like that's so cool and then Throughout the weekend, whenever I'd see him, I'd just be like, hey, you know, just kind of give a little, what's up? You know, I was like, that's so cool. Now, now talk about cons. Do you have a favorite con that you went to that, like, that, that was just awesome and blew everything away? Like one specific one or just a show that on average is always really cool? Uh, one that blew it away or, or, or like you're just your favorite con to go to? For a long time, it was the Wizard World Chicago, um, Rosemont. Um, for me, because a while ago, before the, I, I don't. When was the last time you were there? Last time I was in Chicago. At the Rose, at the Rosemont. At right? the Rosemont. Holy crap! Um, geez, probably ninety-seven. So you remember there was nothing there. Yeah. Now it's like everything is built up all around it for stuff to do because I guess it's a fairly decent location for conventions mm -hmm. um there's tons and tons and tons of stuff to do but back then there wasn't anywhere to go except knuckles mm -hmm. and at the end of the show everybody would go you know they go to make uh, giordano's or something or mcdonald's down the street to grab some food and then come back and everybody was in the lobby everybody was in the hallways and everybody was in knuckles and that alone and all the people you meet in there and just saw different stuff. Like there's Frank Miller hanging out at the bar, you know, and just a lot of great stuff. It was amazing. That that was my favorite one for a, a while. Uh, I'm so old that I, when I went to Rosemont, it wasn't Wizard World. It was Chicago <laughs> Comic-Con. Just Chicago. Yeah, I just think Chicago I went the first, I think I went the first year that Wizard took over. Yeah. yeah. I, I started going, I think in 91 was the first time I got to go. 91 or 92 and uh i didn't I went, start till 96 97 maybe i think yeah. somewhere in there um yeah it, it's i can't remember when wizard world took it over it seems about yeah right around there yeah. right when you left yeah right when i stopped going that's when it when it when it went to that's like trying to explain to people i was like i went to a big comic book convention in, in atlanta and they're like dragon con i was like no there was a big convention in atlanta at one time like atlanta comic-con and it it doesn't exist anymore. It hasn't existed in probably twenty five years. But I was like, yeah, it was like it, it was in. It wasn't Labor Day weekend. It was. I think it was in May. It was. But I went there. Um, was it a good show? It was fun. It was. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it was because I hadn't heard of Dragon Con yet when I went there. And it, I think it might have been what became Dragon Con. I might be, I don't, don't quote me 100% on that, but it was, it was a fun time. I mean, I went down there with just like me and my buddies. It wasn't, you know, just hanging out and having fun and 
kind of partying. And stuff. <laughs> I haven't been to a show where I just hang out and walk around, like get trades and look at art. And I haven't done that in a while. See, that's one thing <clears throat> I kind of miss because a lot of conventions have uh, priced their way out of me. I, I don't, I, I know that sounds bad. Um, when it, no, they're, they're, admissions getting a bit pricey yeah when you got the admission uh you you know a lot of places you got travel you've got hotel stay uh then uh autograph pricing you got this you got that and if you want to buy anything it's it just gets stupid and i've gotten to the point now where um i was supposed to go to galaxy con last week last weekend before last yep i was Um, there yep they they sent me the paperwork and they're like, oh, would you do you want to go? Because it was you know I got a shop, so they were, they were going to give me free tickets. And I'm like, yeah, we'll, we'll take because they're going to give you free four, four free passes. Contact us and we'll send you the passes. Never got our passes, so I was like, do I want to go and have to spend the money to get and then spend the money on the autographs or spend? The- it's a question. Yeah, it's a question. And uh, I heard. Yeah. yeah. But one thing I do, I love, I still love doing the small shows because those you go, mm-hmm. and e- even as a dealer, I go and I can kind of walk away from the table if I have my son with me and I can kind of shop mm-hmm. around and you get better deals because people are willing to deal. But when you got to spay for, you know, your, your spot and your spot for the weekend is, I don't know, twelve fourteen hundred dollars $1,400, you need to make as much money as you can. So you don't discount mm-hmm. nothing. You don't give deals. And, but when you hustle, gotta, hustle, hustle, yeah. hustle. keep talking to people and keep shaking sh- sh- it, oh, mm-hmm. it's tough. Yeah. And, I've been trying to uh, understand that because when I'm drawing and doing commissions, like I'm just sitting there with my head down, and and I can talk to people a little bit, but I'm trying to focus on the the commission, and I'm not very good at that. So I need to kind of switch to more hustle and selling product, and like I can bring commissions, like do pre-show commissions or something yep. like that bring them in and work out that's a lot easier for me and then be able to just kind of be able to talk to people and hustle more during the show so i'm making more money oh, yeah. well, I, you know i always felt bad because you know you go to conventions and you want to get an autograph from an artist and um was one of the one of the big ones i went to a while back i think it was indiana um legitimately the artist was there all day but he signed for one hour he was doing commissions the rest of the time. And I'm like, that's fine. You know, that's great. But, you know, it'd been nice for it to have been, you know, maybe on their website or something, you know. Didn't even let you know. Yeah, didn't let you know till you got there and you walked up there and you go up to their sign. There's like, you know, the guy's sitting there and you got a hand, you got like three books or something. And he's like, oh, he's not signing till three o'clock. I'm like, well, I'm going to be gone by three. Shit. That's the reason I came here. So that sucks. Yeah. Or, or if you get there and and um, I have commissioned artwork while I've been at conventions and sometimes I've gotten my artwork right then and there, no biggie. Uh, sometimes they've been like, you know what, I'll, I'll ship it to you. I'm like, okay. That would be me. And then uh, uh, a year and a half later, I get the book. <laughs> I Hopefully not that far, but yeah, I, I have one of those things where I have a, a couple of really good fans who's like yeah, just take your time and, and then when they say that you just gotta have to kick the crap out of the commission to make make sure it's a good one so oh yeah well it's uh, sort of a little bit anxious so um yeah but it's yeah, that's just definitely one of the ones where it's like i was like i'm not in a hurry just whenever i get it i get it and uh one one time i forgot i had artwork and all of a sudden i come home one day and there's this big package sitting on my porch and i'm like 
the hell? I open it up and it's like, oh, it's sweet. I got artwork. <laughs> well, do you remember what it was? Huh? Um, one time it was uh, uh, Josh Metters and another time it was uh, Ken and Buzz. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it was one of the ones where I had forgot I had bought artwork off of them. And then certainly I'm like, oh, shit, I got artwork. Hell yeah. Yeah, I miss seeing Josh. Oh, man. It, it, we just had a discussion about that Sunday about people who, you know, ones that kind of. Uh, yeah. And uh, he was such a, such a cool guy. I remember um, him one time. He goes, man, he goes, I never get paid less than $1,500 for a cover. And I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, man, he goes, I've never done artwork for a cover for under 15 or sold a cover for under $15 or $1,500. And I went, you sold me one for 25. And he's like, you're different. Just shut up. I was like, all right, I'll go back to do what I'm doing. Uh, oh man. Then uh, um, I got lucky enough to hang out with him once. Cause we actually had him here in Piqua and hung out with him mm -hmm. the entire day. And it was a blast. Oh yeah. He was a, he was a good guy. Yep. Oh man. <clears throat> so I, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta ask you the hard hit, some of the hard hitting questions. Uh oh, go for All it. Right. Um, if you were allowed to do one character or team, which one would you want to do? Any character, any character, any superhero team, Constantine, Constantine, sweet. I, I, I was really into him when Ennis and Dylan were on there. And then I followed when Azarello got on his writing and that was really good. And unfortunately they dismantled uh, Vertigo. So who knows exactly what's going to happen there, but they're, they're not going to get rid of Constantine. You know, I mean, he, he's floating around there. So eventually my fingers are still kind of crossed. That'll happen someday. Um, yeah. Vampirella, I'd like to get my hands on. Maybe do like a little, like a mini story or something like that. Be fun. I'm always doing the weirder characters. I've been trying to get, I don't know if this will make sense, but my, like draw my Batman, but I keep drawing other people's Batmans. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. Like, like when I draw Spider-Man, I'm drawing McFarlane's Spider-Man. It's not mm -hmm. my Spider-Man. Like how, what does my Spider-Man look like? <laughs> And then when I'm drawing Batman, I'm drawing like a mix of different ones. I'm just like, Spider, Batman is this? And then, so I, I don't know. It's it's weird to explain. It's like, how do I find my Batman? I, I When I used to drew, be able to draw before, before my hands got screwed up from years working in factories, uh, my, my go-to drawing of Batman was usually a Paro. I, almost every Batman I drew looked like him or Bray Fogle. I, 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 got in one of my first conventions i went to uh bill ray who i think did the color for batman the cult who was bernie wrightson mm -hmm. was there i picked up a, a, one of the a couple of those because i looked at it and it's like the coolest looking batman i'd ever seen so i probably lean a little bit towards wrightson's batman when i draw it yeah it's like the really giant pointing here you know what it's still not uh, uh kelly jones level of giant ears on batman 
Yeah, he went pretty high on those. His yeah, his stuff got kind of exaggerated, but it worked for his stuff. Yeah, yeah it worked great for the the horror aspects that he did, especially when he did the vampire stuff with Batman. That was great. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, okay, so I got to ask, who would you want to work with on a book? Like an artist, a colorist, a uh, 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 inker, a writer. I mean, I'm... that you've never worked with. I know there's so many people because when you, you're only able to do so many projects and it takes a while to put projects together and everything. So I think Azarello, I'd like to work with Azarello. I've talked to him a few times at shows and I've, I've kind of tried to get chummy with him, but I haven't been very good at that. And I don't know how to talk to him professionally. So I think the next time I see him, I'm going to try to just try to talk to him on more of a professional level and see what happens. See, I, I would assume that would have to be hard. Because I don't want to sound like I'm kissing his ass or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, because you, 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 you want to talk to these people about working with them or, you know, maybe doing something. Not even that. Uh, with some of the stories I'm writing, I'm trying to write larger stories. And he wrote 100 Bullets, which was 100 issues. And I would love to pick his brain about just how do you keep all that together for that long? You know, I mean, I know editors help and he's that's his job is writing. So I'm sure he's got it pretty well mapped out. But. Still, it's good questions to ask that guy. I'm sure he know, has some good answers. Shoot. Even when I was writing comics and stuff back in the day, uh, I did uh, – I have notebooks full of everything. I have everything plotted in way in advance. Mm. And uh, legitimately, I wrote four like four-issue story arcs, and there was still one giant overlapping thing that would have synced everything together. Yeah. Yeah. I had a universe created. I had, I had the Bible – that I had created for all the characters and, and everything. And, and how far uh, did you get? Uh, I believe my first issue, the artwork is done on my first issue. And that was as far as it ever got. How do you feel about that? Um, disappointed. Um, I really think it could have done something. Um, I had people who really liked the idea cause I had one character that started it all. And then it kind of branched off from him. Um, it started in the 1930s and branched off into, you know, current day. And how long did you have the idea adjusting in your brain? <sighs> Probably since I was a kid. Forever. Forever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, legitimately, I created um, one of the superhero characters, um, probably junior high. And I always liked that idea because he's. Um, I, I, for lack of a better term, he's my Shazam. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and I guess to a, a lesser term, he's, he's like a prime. Um, it's a kid who um, comes from a, a rough family, um, stuff like that. He's like 12, 13 years old. And right when he starts going through puberty, he goes to bed a child and wakes up a full-grown godlike adult. And so you have this essentially kid trapped inside of a, a Superman body mm. and what would happen. And he comes up with a stupid name. He comes up with a dumb costume that a 13 year old would come up to. And, you know, he's, he over, you know, I, I created all this stuff and it, and it continues to this day. I still got notebooks somewhere with these characters that I would love to see come to fruition. But until I could get an artist on a book for more than four or five pages, I would be great commit committing especially to that long term for longer term stuff even like a four or five issue story arc is can be tough well 
what's depressing is, is our, our uh, one book got picked up for an anthology book and it never made it to print because it, it never got done. So mm. they loved what they I, saw and loved uh, it. But, yeah. That's one of the things I actually thought about when you mentioned like who I would like to work on and stuff like that. I've always thought about, cause usually when you do anthology books, it's like different people working on different stories all in one thing. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, can I work on, can I draw the whole thing and just work with a bunch of different writers? See, that and would be awesome. But yeah, you know, and I have I have a couple of ideas. I'm kind of gestating right now myself about that and how how would that work. And I've got one where it's it's got a decent framework to hold it all in, like mm -hmm. um like this building. I have an idea for like an apartment, like a larger, older apartment building or something like that. And I would give each writer a room in the apartment building. Said, do whatever you want. Just have it attached to this building kind of thing. You know what I mean? Stay in your room go out wherever you want just somehow this building's attached to the whole thing and kind of have it working around this building but that's all i got so far but i i would love to be able to do that in some respect and i think i could work with a wide variety of people if i had like short stories from like one page to 15 pages or something like that just just really quick shorts would be really cool see uh actually the 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 one of the last characters I created uh, probably will never see the light of day in uh, um, comic form. It, it's probably going to see film next year. My goal is to start making this and doing shorts on YouTube. Like, uh, nice. and I, the best way to describe this is it's the crow meets John Wick. Mm -hmm. And I don't <laughs> I'll explain it without giving almost the entire story away, but yeah, yeah. it's something I came up with. Uh, and you're gonna make like a short film or, or, or you um do? i'm gonna do it kind of episodically maybe do it in like 10 15 minute segments live action and, or? Uh, sorry live action yeah mm -hmm. uh i've got people who will work on it uh i've got some people who've taught me some film i've got some decent editing software uh i've got a pretty good camera now um cool i've got friends that work now in uh, special effects in movies and you know they're That's not going to be able to, to to be there on the show, but they're they're able to help me i got one guy who's hooking me up with a couple things to, to work on it and stuff i was hoping to do it this year but things just got out of hand i, I just didn't have the time um but i'm going to add yet another yeah if you got those connections definitely try to make that work totally yeah. so it, it's bad that, that something that i've always had well not always had but had for quite a while um in my head is finally going to see fruition in a completely different medium than what I originally created it for. Mm. And, yeah. As long as it's incarnated, incarnated in some way, it yeah. kind of makes it nice. Yeah. I mean, and the only problem is, is that you can go, there's no budget in a comic book, but <laughs> time, time, exactly. Um, but you know, it's, it's one of the fun things that, that um, I kind of like, I keep myself super busy. I'm, I, I don't like having too much downtime. Um, and uh, as I've told people this before, I, I used to be an alcoholic. So I, I tend to try to keep that on the back burner as much as possible. And, you know, for the most part, I don't worry about it. But every once in a while, you're like, man, I could use a drink. Uh, just, get, just get bored or overwhelmed. Or... Mm -hmm. And now I just kind of, I stay busy. I do these shows. I do my other shows. And I work on stuff on the side and I dot my shop. I got my kids. 
yeah i mean you better just keep get keep yourself out of a full life absolutely yeah now it, i gotta ask on on you got to keep busy with with the kids and stuff like that um with working on a book and stuff have have you worked on much since you've had kids not 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 it's definitely slowed down um which was one of my fears about having kids about would i be able to keep doing this at all um but um i've been just insanely fortunate with how things worked out i mean uh I had work and everything before having kids and my and my wife was on track to having a very good career. So she ended up being the one who ended up being the more the moneymaker and, you know, um, just that's the track she went down. And then when the kids came, there was the question of like, well, do I keep trying to push for the, the comic book job and then send the kids to daycare and have to pay for that? So whatever I'm drawing during the day is just going to send the day kids to daycare. So that just seemed ridiculous to me. It's like, well, I'm not going to have any relationship with my kids if I just kind of flip that switch. So I, I chose to like stay at home, uh, raise them. And then when they're napping, I I work and at night I work. So I'm not working as much um, or not wasn't then I'm slowly starting to get more and more, uh, which is trying, trying to reach out to people and get more out there on these different podcasts and going out to conventions again and just um be like i'm here i'm still alive (laughs) um and promote this uh, stuff i'm working on yeah yeah because i'm i i I missed the hell out of your artwork um i i I always liked when you did xenoscope when you did the 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 wonderland stuff i loved your hack slash stuff thank you Um, thank you and uh i i i I'm glad they're kind of bringing hack slash back a bit. Are they again? They're doing more. They just did the one the the one shots with. I did one one of those stories. They uh, they had like three short stories in a book. That was really fun. They're uh, in the image 30th anniversary book, I believe. Yeah, I got a couple pages in that. Tim Tim asked me if I I wanted to. He had like the layouts done, and I was like, "You just just finish them for me." I'm like, "All right." So I, I did finishes on top of tim's layouts <laughs> see I, I, okay i gotta ask you about that one did you think when you uh, hooked up with tim back in the day that tim would become tim that he is now not at all i didn't even think about that man i i was so insanely fortunate um my art dealer at the time paolo belfiore who does Caden's comic art i was talking to him when um wonderland was coming to an end like on um escape from wonderland and I was like, what am I, because I'd been doing work with them for so long. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do now? And I I didn't have a plan at all. So I was freaking out. And I was talking to him, like, to where, where do I get work from? Like, Because uh, he could sometimes throw me a cover or something. But he's not going to get me full-time work or anything. So that's not his job. Um, but he's like, you know, there's, you know, this guy, uh, one of my clients, Tim Seeley, uh, has this you know independent comic book, Hackslash, that he's working on. You know send them your way i'm like yeah absolutely and i i'd heard a little bit about hack slash and seen a couple of issues i didn't know exactly what it was but it's a horror book and i'm totally about um horror stuff so i like talked to him and found out what the deal was and i was even more on board and then like again just went running from there and was on the book for 
two and a half years or so. Just, I tried to be, like, when you think about that book, I, I hope you kind of think about me as one of the original artists. But, I mean, how was it um, Stefano, I think, was the original yeah. creator, Tim. So I was trying to get as much of that as I could. Just I, I love being able to be associated like that with a title. That that makes me happy when uh, that happens. Every, every time I, I see this, I, I, I go back to the uh, cover you did for tax slash that's the homage to ilsa she wolf of the ss the i don't think that's i don't think is that mine i don't know that might be tim's did i do that one i think you did about 90 percent sure you did i don't know I'd have, I'd have to go back and check i'm not sure well, but i know you did the interiors on that book though i might yeah i might yeah. Have the and i don't know if i did the cover i i know as a sucker for that those issues because that that was a. Uh, that was a movie I saw when I was way too young to actually be able to watch those movies, but you know, Showtime, Sunlight, HBO, HBO, or yeah, HBO, middle of the night. No one ever watched, cared. That's I was a latchkey kid. No, absolutely. I was over um, spending the night at a friend of mine's house, and we were watching, you know, HBO, Cinemax, whatever. And that's how we would end up seeing. I mean, you're looking for nude girls and stuff when you were yep. a kid, like just to see it. But you would end up seeing these gems of movies that you'd never even heard of before. And I was spending the night in my friend's house and this movie Heavy Metal came on. Where we're both like, what is this? <laughs> and it, it blew our minds. We didn't see a thing throughout the whole movie. We were glued to the TV. And I, I totally loved it. And then I went out and found it was a magazine. And I got the magazine and found out it was like different artists from all over the world and everything. And that was really cool. And, and, uh, that is kind of one of the inspirations for metal ice cream is just just the more offbeat type story you know where anything is more possible and i didn't want it's a little bit more of an adult story um online i have it edited slightly but whenever it comes out in book form i'll have the unedited version probably um on my patreon it's totally unedited and you can see every ounce of it um which is uh really nice actually i have some people following along and uh, giving me feedback and I'll show them like stuff that I'm working on and asking questions. So having those patrons and stuff, just having a couple people there to help. Yeah. Yeah. We dig this, you know, or this works or this doesn't and just having an opinion as I go is really nice. Um, and then when I put it up on like webtoons or something like that, it's a little bit more chopped up and edited, but uh, it, it's just nice to be able to get it out because uh, my first book that I did on my own, Werewolf Run, I don't know if you ever uh, saw that one. No. Ooh. Find it. Uh, basically, um, my, it was my werewolf story. I'd always like, you know, I got traumatized by American Werewolf in London and the howling when I was a kid. So that was my werewolf. I had mm -hmm. to do a book. And then um, uh, this was basically my heavy metal story. If, if I was going to do a heavy metal story, this, this would probably be it. And um, I don't know where I was going with that. I lost, <laughs> lost track of that thought there. Uh, but yeah, um, this is the next. I'm on, I'm, I got like five pages left to finish the first story arc. And it, this thing has taken me about six years because this stuff is, what is it? The... Um, I don't know, the stuff that really, like, I want to put my heart and soul into it kind of thing. 
I make it look good and be a good story and have yeah just be a good product um and I have to work on it on the side of everything else so like after I finish a project I'll work on it a bit and then after maybe I'll turn some layouts in and while I'm waiting for approval I'll work on it for a little bit so it's it's always on the side um what I'm hoping to do is like find an audience for it because like that was what I was gonna say is werewolf run I knew the audience it was werewolves you know there's there's an automatic uh audience for werewolves which isn't too hard to tap into but this book is more my thing and I gotta find a feel like I have to find an audience before I really put it out there yeah so we'll see how it goes before, before we get too far yep that was Tim's cover but yeah I did yep. that yep yeah but you yeah, did the interiors on it yeah. Oh my God. <clears throat> well, you know, it, it's funny because you talk about uh, heavy metal. It looks like heavy metal is ending and then returning. Uh, they're starting heavy metal volume two, number one. Some company just bought heavy metal and they're publishing. I did not know that. Yeah, hmm. I didn't know it either until I was placing my order a little bit ago. And they're, I wonder why they feel like starting over again. What's the point? I, I don't get either, but and they're they're doing it literally like the first cover. Uh, uh, Peach Moko does a, a Tarna cover, and somebody else does a Tarna cover. And I'm like, mm, I, I don't know. I ordered it. Fuck. <laughs> no, I mean I love Tarna. I did. Um, I did a picture of her once. She's so much fun to draw. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, this is. I I never knew if I'd be able to actually get into heavy metal, and. I didn't want any kind of this this is one of those ones where basically me just doing whatever the hell I want mm -hmm. and I have an editor kind of curb me a little bit saying this doesn't work for the story kind of thing you know like, all right fine fine um as long but as long as the story works you can go wherever you want you know so this one was kind of me just trying to get from A to B and introducing the characters and having them meet and kind of getting into it. Um, it's basically this girl, Jennifer Crush, whose um, ship is attacked by space pirates and she escapes with a, uh, like a shuttle, but it gets damaged and it's just floating through space like Ripley in the beginning of Aliens. Mm -hmm. and, but her uh, cryogenic chambers totally been shot to shit. So she's just floating out and trying to catch somebody before she runs out of air. And uh, like a week later, she like is about to run out of air and she runs into this giant ship just floating through space and she's trying to contact them, but no one's answering. So she gets out of the her ship, which is out of power and just kind of jumps onto the other one and goes in and there's no one there except this round ball thing and a robot controlling the whole ship. And she's basically trying to get hitch a ride basically basic back to some kind of civilization where she can go to a port or something mm -hmm. and it's a whole it's trying to get from a to b but then there's like c d and everything kind of goes oh, yeah. quite go the way they want it to but eventually they get to the end so but it, yeah. it went it did go all over the place there's some stuff I'll, i think you'd really like when you check it out and you'll know a lot of the references sweet because I, I always like those big like I wouldn't say epic space stories, but like the loneliness of space because space is vast and empty and full of cold and death and dread. Uh, so, pretty much, yeah, yeah. And and to have you know 
just like two main characters because you get the robot and the girl that that i think that would be you know that, that's right up my alley on stuff like that and then, yeah you know, I'll, I'll send you a link to the the beginning of the uh webtoons and you can check it out totally for free man and then whenever i actually get this whole thing together and i'll put it in a pdf and send it over to check it out sweet sweet I, i'm i'm actually i just finished the first draft of the second story arc i was trying this is one of the things i was talking to my patrons about i was trying to come up with um chapter names for it mm -hmm. uh, do you know in Invin Kirk kirkman's invincible each one had like uh titles of 80s 80 sitcoms mm -hmm. kind of do you remember that and i thought that was a really fun idea and i started with like old just space movies or something like any kind of space oriented so i was gonna call the first story arc lost in space but i i couldn't really think of any good titles and i wasn't really happy with that so i ended up naming it after different types of ice cream so this one's rocky road and the next one's going to be neapolitan <laughs> and the third one's actually going to be blue moon so i have story arcs ready to go and i'm trying to do the big full story arc i i don't this one's kind of crazy and not very mainstream so i don't know how far i'm gonna get with it you know what i mean yeah uh because I, I can't do it for very long if it's not making money um i can get pretty far but not that far <laughs> um and i've also got um the third book i'm actually uh working on is uh like a sci-fi fantasy noir movie or comic uh i've always wanted to do that i've also got the fourth draft on that and my editor did the first pass on it and i have to go back and write it and tighten that up but i'm really hoping once i'm gonna go into the art for the second story arc for metal ice cream and then i hope to be able to finish writing that next project before i'm done drawing it so be able to just jump right into that one when i'm done and have that be my third project i know, I know the hope is being basically to be able be able to just write and draw like if i could get like six to eight books a year and somehow find ways to fund that where i could just focus on that that'd be amazing that's the goal have you thought about doing like the indiegogo stuff or anything like that yeah I'm looking into it right now, but like I said, this one, I'm looking for more fans and trying to get a, as much of a fan base for it as I can and put it out there for free to people to check out and see if there's even any interest. Because um, I can put it out digitally, but to actually go for a print run or something like that costs a good amount of money. And um, I don't know. It's I'm just kind of, this one's I'm going to play around with and see what happens like try different things like this is my first time doing the the web comic the digital free comic book mm -hmm. um like i said it's it's slightly edited but for for the most part it's all up there um so you can check out read the whole thing and see what you think so like would you if i had the whole thing up online everything you're like, oh that's cool would you go do the indiegogo or be like i've already read it i personally i would love to have a physical copy so that's me as as a comic book collector and that's me as as i mean i know a lot of people that that's their whole thing they'll they'll check out one but as soon as it drops as a physical copy they will own it right, <clears throat> right. you know and as bad as uh we had this discussion 
while back um because you know it's always the rumor that comic books will eventually go digital and i was like then then i will be done i i don't want to i'm not gonna candy coat nothing if all comic books go digital i'm like all right i'm good i don't need to talk i think think a lot of the the state of everything in the just the whole plane it feels like is changing oh yeah a uh a lot of the old uh pillars of the industry have you know passed on moved on Mm -hmm. and and those there's people rising up and becoming the new pillars of the industry basically and also the distribution of the comic books is changing and the way people are reading them are changing and there's a lot more people reading them i think like just in different ways you know what i mean yeah because i know that um uh like i want to say miss marvel is uh, one of uh, Marvel's lowest print run books on their comics, but it's one of their larger print runs in trade paperbacks mm-hmm. because people buy them in trades or schools buy them or libraries buy them yeah. and they sell better as a trade than they do as a standard single standalone issue. And uh, as, as yeah, a... Different different audiences for certain things like there's mm-hmm. certain audience who do only do digital and that's fine yeah go ahead and there is an audience who prefers paperbacks and yeah. more physical objects and that's i think that's always going to be there it's it may not be as mainstream as people are talking about but mm-hmm. i think the medium is not going to disappear in any way no as you can see I don't <laughs> hold these boxes, the boxes immediately to the left, the boxes up here, not including the boxes in the warehouse and the ones upstairs. Um, I think I have like three boxes left. That's three short boxes. That's all I'm allowed. Um, I oh, like 200 short boxes and probably another 200 long boxes, I think. Oh, it's not allowed. The only and, thing uh, I, I well, collect see, like little Legos now. Well, see all this down here, all yeah. this, we bought a house and um, we had it when my, my, my older son still lived at home. We just bought it recently, but they just moved out re- relatively recently. Uh, this was the basement I shared with my wife as our area. And uh, when my kids moved out, they left the whole upstairs. So now that's my wife's area. Then we have the middle floor, which is the living area. And my mother-in-law lives with us. So she basically stays in the middle area. And then this is mine. Right. So the, the finished basement is where I store all my stuff. I can't say that because I have comic boxes upstairs in my wife's area. Uh, <laughs> but they're in a weird area where you couldn't store anything anyways. Right. Um, so I put them there. And then I have my my uh, storage room at my shop. And, <clears throat> and uh, this is where physical media goes to die, I guess. <laughs> I don't mean, or do you hold on for any of them for speculation purposes? Like, you're going to sell them at a certain point or just, like, enjoy holding on to them? I am a just collector. Um, I do have a few books that I've bought for speculation reasons. And, and to be honest, I don't like doing that because, you know, that's like people go, well, I got to jump on that issue. Dude, I've been collecting X-Men for as long as I can remember. I, I I literally probably like five years old. I picked up my first X-Men comic and I've gone through all of it. So when it was garbage, I still collected 
when it was, you know, really good, I collected, um, you know, I have stuff that's, that's probably not worth much of anything. Like I just picked this up this weekend. Let's see. Whatever we go. Because it was so ridiculously cheap. I bought it off the guy next to me. I couldn't pass it up, but I'm like, eh, I don't have a graded star Wars comic. Now I do. So, <laughs> and, and, and the rule is, is that if anything happens to me, uh, my wife has to keep like a handful of things. I have my giant size X-Men graded at a 9.0 over there. That's got to stay in the family. And then the Shogun Warriors that if you look behind me are sitting right there and there's some over here. Those have to stay in the family because it took me forever to get them back from when my mom made me sell them when I was a kid. <laughs> then mm. I'm not letting them go. And probably my AT-ATs over there. So... <laughs> um. I never thought about it like that. Like, what can you not get rid of? Like, most, most of my stuff, I think they could dump. I think the art, I'd say, hold on to that. Maybe. I don't know. That's good. That's a good question. Hmm. Now, now, my son Joe will probably not let anything go. Hmm. He'll be like, "Mom, you can't sell that." My, my <laughs> wife's like, "My wife's like, if I can sell it and pay off the house, we're selling it." <laughs> Just a chunk, just a chunk. Just a chunk, yeah. I, I, uh... mm. Now, do you, I, you talk about your art. Do you, do you keep, do you still have a bunch of your art or did you sell it all? No, no, I still, I still have a good amount. Um, I haven't sold anything of um, Metal Ice Cream yet or Werewolf Run. Um, I don't know if I will or not. Um, but yeah, I got, I mean, before I was, um, a professional everything i would do just test pages and sample pages and i got all those i don't know if anybody's gonna buy those or not but i got like a whole box of those where i mean i would just this is probably how i started writing i would just like make up a four three or four page story and it's like da, 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 this happens this happens this happens go and then just draw it and then i would make cop like, copies of those i could show to show to people or bring those giant portfolios that were uncomfortable and show those to people um and then you would have to do go in like to the next set because you couldn't come back around every year showing the exact same pages to people because then they'd be like you, you haven't grown last year what else is what yeah else? yeah i mean so you just had to keep working on stuff so i just drew a bunch of stuff and there's <laughs> tons of stuff i need to organize it better do you have any other artists art No, I don't actually. I, I never, I never really, I haven't indulged that yet. I don't know. I'm still focused on getting books made. <laughs> like actually, actually getting through the work of just pulling it out of my head and getting it onto the paper. And I haven't thought about that for a while. I thought maybe if I got someone maybe to do a variant cover or something, maybe I'd buy the art or something. Or thought that'd be cool or I haven't let myself go down that rabbit hole yet. No, see, I'm not gonna lie. I had I had to kind of get away from that. I had so much stuff. I have I have a box. I have like a stack of art. Probably I don't know about that thick, and it's just boxed away. I don't I don't know why some of it I even have because that was back in the day when you could get art relatively cheap. So I would right. just jump on it. I'm like, hey, Mike McCone has some pages like five bucks a piece. I'll take twenty dollars worth. 
you know, now they're a hundred, 150 bucks a piece. So whatever. Uh, um, before, before we get, okay. I have, I have to ask you this. When you set down the draw, do you have a ritual? Do you listen to any type of music? Do you listen, watch TV? Do you? Sometimes, uh, I mean, not sometimes. I usually um, listen to music for a while. Sometimes um, I can watch a little bit of TV, but it has to be like something I've seen because otherwise I'll just sit there and get into start... it and not draw. <laughs> Watching it, next thing you know, you're not drawing. Yeah, I mean, especially if it's something good, like, because like I need my eyes for both <laughs> things, and it's like this is kind of annoying. Um, so I'll usually just listen to Spotify. I got like a Spotify account, and I've made uh, like uh, playlists for the things that I have in my head. Like Metal Ice Cream has its own playlist, and Werewolf Run has its own playlist, and I kind of listen to those to kind of sometimes give myself uh, a carrot to kind of follow. Like here, here's something coming, yeah. you know. Um, which helps get through the work sometimes and be like, like, all right, you're almost done. Keep going. Um, yeah, definitely. Mostly music, sometimes podcasts, uh, when it's more just kind of those like long stretches of just doing like background or something like that, where it's kind of not really thinking about it and just doing it. And all these some podcasts or, or, uh, stand-up comedians or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I, I usually have something going on. Usually, yeah. Do you have a Do you have a go to band or anything that you like to listen to? That's maybe worked its way into both your playlists. A lot right now. Like I, I like I heard you talking about this too. I've been listening to a lot of synthwave. Mm -hmm. A lot. It's kind of like the rhythmic and the soothing is kind of just like keeps yep. going and and. And it's not like Enya or anything, and they got some really good music these days. Um, Believe me, there's this one guy, Perturbator. I've been oh yeah, to I just him. saw him. I want to see. He's so good. I went and uh, seen him in Detroit uh, back nice. in September. Yeah, he's he's one of the ones that's been really standing out. To where there's certain songs he's done that make me feel like, oh, you got this from this movie, or like he's got like Blade Runner. He's got a Cure in there. And he's oh got yeah, he's got. Uh, um, a bunch of um, Bengalese and everything. Um, yeah. Well, he's got humans are such easy prey, and it's legitimately starts out with with uh, Kyle Reese's uh, monologue from Terminator. Yep. Yeah. And, yep. and uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, uh, yeah. See, perturbator. Oh, those are the LPs. Yeah, that's uh, B sides and uh, remixes. Nope, oh, nice. that. I got uh, B sides and remixes volume one and two. Their newest one, uh, something is Tasteful Sacraments. Um, I got, but man, I'm gonna tell you what, I did not know how that was gonna be. I went, like I said, went and seen him live, and I'm like, oh man, do I really want to see a guy play a laptop for you know? And he gets up it's there. And he, play, he plays keyboards. He plays guitar. He's up there playing the keyboard, playing guitar, working on the keyboard while still windmilling. <clears throat> and then is it just mic. him? Yeah, it's just him. 
Um, and I got to see the the band open that was he was touring with was uh, Health, and they do a lot of uh, um, and they were doing, those guys are badass. Dude. Oh my god! Yeah. I had my son went with us, and he's like, "You didn't tell me Health was going to be here," and I'm like, "I didn't know it until like two days before," and he's like, "Holy crap! Health is great. They put they're on this soundtrack. They're on this soundtrack," and I'm like, and then I saw them live. They were great, and it was like, damn, this is this is, and I'm like, I did not know how because I'm a metal guy. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm I like stage shows. I like, you know, but, and literally I'm going to, I seen them in this club that was so tiny in Detroit in the, you know, and you're just like, oh man, how is this awesome. going to be? Oh, and it was great. I loved it. I'd go see them again. I, I'm starting to really prefer the smaller venues instead of those arenas. I mean, they're, they're fun for their own thing. Like I went to go see Elton John for his uh, goodbye tour, mm -hmm. which ended up being really cool. Um, but just that many people, there was like the whole place was full, and it's just like uh, just too many people for me. Yeah. See, um, I think the biggest I I I don't mind is uh, uh, Kimba Live over in Columbus, mm -hmm. and that's just small enough, but just big enough. That you can get decent, go see decent bands, and but it's still well, small enough, the, you know. The Newport, that's always a good spot to yeah. do. And then the LLC, they have a pretty good venue. Well, the the Kimba Live used to be Newport. Was it? Yeah, it's 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 um. Maybe they, maybe they changed the name. I yeah, because uh, you have the the Kimba Live. You can go and it's the club on the inside, and then they can open it up so you can go around back, and you can see shows outside during the summer, and you can see shows inside during the, the fall and stuff like that. Like we just went hmm. to see Clutch a while back, and that would have been great to see outside instead of being packed inside because it was warm and you're all sweating your ass off. And all right, all right, that's cool. And uh, but yeah. No, I, I, that, and it also helps because I listen to a lot of that stuff when I'm editing and it keeps me from losing track of time. Cause if I listen mm. to it on vinyl, I have to stop and go, Oh shit, I need to flip a disc over, flip the record over. <laughs> I, I'm horrible habit of losing track of time. So. Yeah. I've been, uh, a lot of that stuff is kind of the soundtrack for the next project I'm working on. So that's kind of the, um, mental carrot. I'm like leaving myself, like, this is the direction we're going. So that, that, that sounds about where I'm at with mine, the one I'm wanting to do. So I've actually got a guy who does some synthwave stuff. Hopefully I'm going to work with him on making a soundtrack to my, uh, to my uh, anthology, I guess my series that I want to work on. So That'd be so cool. I, I would so want to be able to work with somebody like that in that capacity of like just giving them notes saying, I want it to feel like this, this is mm -hmm. the idea see what they come up with. I am um, for, for my when I did a campaign on um, Kickstarter for Werewolf Run, I actually had someone help me that I paid to uh, do the video and put the whole thing together with me because I'd never done it before and I didn't want to drop the ball. Um, and they were putting like the video together for it, and uh, I was able to give them feedback and stuff. And I asked, um, "Have you ever heard of the band A Place to Bury Strangers?" Mm. No. Check check them out. They're they're a really interesting band. They um they have this song called um uh, Ego Death that just sounds exactly the way I'd want it to at the beginning of a werewolf run. And I I asked them, 
what it would take to use that song at the beginning of the um, trailer for the uh, Kickstarter uh, video. And like, I ended up working it out with the band's manager and I contacted them and he's like, yeah, you're so-and-so and you'll, we'll let you use the rights for the song. And I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, so I ended up using the, the song in the uh, video. So I was very happy about that. And I would still like to do that again in some capacity. It'd be really fun. Heck yeah. So, um, they they did a, a, like stuff like that relatively recently, like with the uh, um, the death metal stuff from for uh, DC, where they actually put out a soundtrack for the series, and uh, they did that back in the day too. And I think that's always been kind of cool to give you music to listen to your to read your comics by, especially if it's someone who created it and had that in mind. Definitely, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, you know, I've. I gotta say, I've appreciated your artwork going way back. Um, I've been a fan of yours forever. Um, I like to consider you a friend. I mean, we've known each other for for years. For a while now, yeah. I know. And uh, it's one of the ones where we we met through conventions, and we just kind of stayed in contact a bit here and there. And and um, I, I'm a hermit, dude. I don't leave the house unless it's for a convention or something with my kids. Yeah, I. I, uh, I, I luckily I, I do a lot with my son, Joe. So me and him get out a lot. Very uh, nice. And, uh, I, I, I like being able to have a really good relationship with my kids. Um, you know, cause I was, I was one of them dads who was, I was always busy when they were younger. I was always, I worked stupid amount of hours. I, uh, you know, killed myself. I lost entire summers. Now that I'm, I hate to say this now that, that they're adults, I can spend time with them because, I make my own schedule. I have my own shop. I do all that stuff. And uh, I kind of wish I could go back, but no, I think I'm making up to them now, I guess. <laughs> oh, good. I I kind of see it as I always kind of wanted monkeys and now I've had three and I'm good. <laughs> like they, they crawl all over me as kids, man. That three-year-old's all over me. You know, my uh, my youngest is 12 and he has autism. So he, he he's more of a... Um, really big like five or six year old super smart everything but but emotionally he's he's a little kid still and wow. he's big he's almost as big as i am and he still wants to play like a little kid so i have this full-grown adult hurt, that, that hurts you yeah he, he yanked my shoulder out of so bad that it took like a month to heal so i'm literally at the gym and i'm like lifting weight you know doing this and, and lifting weights one hand and the guy goes are you all right i was like i can't lift oh. nothing with this side this side shot <laughs> i know my my eight-year-old's getting big and i'm like telling him you're getting big you can't jump on me from behind you know well well vince loves to grab me and goes i'm gonna pick you up and he's like i'm like no vince put me down <laughs> do like a suplex and drop you from behind and uh we I'm not going, I got, I got to make fun of it. Cause my wife, I, I have to latch the door so he can't run down here because last night me and my wife were watching a documentary and he comes running downstairs. He goes, I got my pants wet. And he just stand there with a shirt, no pants, no nothing. And so Tina goes, is he winning the poo in it tonight? I'm like, no, I hope not. He'll <laughs> oh, be okay. Uh, I was like, don't run down. Like I had to edit it. I did another show and I forgot to lock the door upstairs and he took a shower and uh, he puts his clothes over there and uh, he doesn't like them in his dresser. You, he doesn't want them in his dresser. He keeps them in a basket over here downstairs in my room. 
And I'm sitting there talking to a guy, and all of a sudden, my naked kid comes running down the stairs. <laughs> makes like, life interesting. Do what? Makes oh, life interesting. Oh, yeah. He, he does. He keeps me on my toes. And he's finally getting where he's mellowing out, though. He He's getting where he can... Um, uh, he's not by himself, but he can, um, my mother-in-law, like I said, she lives upstairs and, um, I can leave him. He hangs out down here. He goes and gets he his lunch. On his own for a while. Yeah. He can be out. on his loan for a while. And, it, and it's nice because he doesn't have to go with me everywhere I go because he just gets aggravated. He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be at the shop all day. Um, Cause he just goes around and bothers people. He goes, <laughs> no, I mean, like at that point, once they get to an older point, they can start doing the things that they enjoy, hopefully for a little bit longer than like 10 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. He he's uh he, he'll get hyper-focused on something though, because the only problem is, is that uh, YouTube, you, you gotta watch it because he'll go in trying to find cartoons that he likes. And then of course there's those people who put, you know, shady stuff listed as, and then I'm like, Vince, what are you watching? Turn that off. No, my kids are totally into YouTube. I'm like, oh, I kind of get it because it's just, but it's just the change, 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 mm-hmm. change. Like, it's too much. It's too much. It's all that. It's all that information in little snippets. The thing that gets me, though, is when they're not doing YouTube, they're just bored no matter what they're doing. And they're like, mm-hmm. That's that's the problem. <laughs> Oh yeah, he he's and then on top of it, he doesn't like to sleep at night. So he'll 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 go. I'm going to bed. He'll go and lay in his bed, and then once everybody else goes to bed in the house, he'll come down here and turn on the TV and watch TV. And then you have to play hell trying to wake him up because he he's homeschooled. So because he's you know, up all night. and you're like Vince, get up. Okay, he'll eat cereal. He'll get ready. He'll get dressed. And the next thing you know, he's like, like That's get out. up, bud. You're killing me, dude. Uh, hmm. So as as we ramble on about stuff that has nothing to do with comics here, um, oh yeah, All right, comic books, yes, yeah, comics. Um, so you know, we talked about you know you being influenced by you know, you know Todd McFarlane and, and the Image guys and stuff like that. Is there anybody out there right now? Are you reading anything currently that that sticks out to I'm you? Trying, I'm I'm trying. Um... Gary Frank has always been someone I've looked at for a while, um, who always just blows me away. Man. Um, and someone I've, I've just, um, Daniel Warren Johnson, I, I've just been following him, his stuff this past year or so, and I got a chance to meet him and talk to him at C2E2 this past year, and really nice guy. Um, his stuff is just killing me. With It feels like scribbles, but it's all that needs to be there the composition and the the shading and the the dynamism it's it's all amazing so i'm just trying to take whatever notes i can off of that he's he's really got it yeah see i i've been digging gary frank since back in the his uh uh hulk days and what he's doing right now with uh junkyard joe and guy uh geeker is insane and his stuff has always been i i guess simplistically realistic i guess is the best way to i was thought, thought i'm kind of like a steve dylan-esque type artist yeah. where his his facial expressions and his people always look fantastic oh yeah and it, it's he he's still killing it on a on a on a high level even at this you know uh because some artists i hate to say this but at a certain point sometimes they kind of fall off no i i get it man after so many years you just get tired 
Mm-hmm. If you're not interested in doing what you're doing, you're you're gonna see it. Oh my god! And uh, this uh, just reminded me of uh, t- telling somebody that they're getting paid. Uh, they're just doing it for the paycheck, <laughs> and then they get Sometimes. mad at you, and they get mad at you. Um, I mean, you can't you can't fall in love with everything. I mean, you can no. try to find a piece that says something to you or that you're interested in, but you can't be in love with, with all of it. No. That's what uh, uh, I'm going to tell. I would say something George Perez told me uh, years ago at Pittsburgh Comic Con when we kept asking him when the uh, um, uh, that um, Teen Titans uh, graphic novel was supposed to come out that he'd been working on since like the 80s. He goes, well, DC's fault. He's because they paid me in advance and didn't give me a deadline. He goes, <laughs> he goes in two. He goes, I have all the cool stuff drawn. He goes, it's the it's the the transition pages that I hate. Just like the people just standing around, you know, like talking or or like walking to the car or something. He goes, I don't want to draw that. He goes, so that's the last thing I draw, and it's the last thing I have any emotional attachment to. And he goes, and it's hard to do. He goes, I can do epic battle scenes because I love doing it and it's fun. He goes, and that's the first thing I knock out. He goes, it's all the little bull crap I don't want to do. <laughs> yeah, it, it does get tough like that. I try I try to make it interesting from time to time, but it's you just get those things where it's like I I I doesn't do anything for me. Have you ever hidden any Easter eggs in any of your stuff? All the time. All the time. Sure. Um and I don't know if anybody will get it. I made a um sort of a uh, breakfast club reference in metal ice cream uh, i don't know if anybody will see it or not but it's in there um yeah there and i made a I, i'll show you the picture i made a uh dream warrior reference in issue four i think of metal ice cream where they go into a um uh, basically a vr simulator Mm-hmm. And they're doing VR, just kind of passing time away. And um, they're trying, she's trying, Jennifer Crush, the main character, is trying to choose like a skin to wear. Mm-hmm. And she ends up wearing um, uh, Taryn's outfit with the the, the, mohawk, the mohawk and the, mohawk and the leather. And yeah. I, like, I just so wanted to draw that. So that's, that's in there. Um, there's, yeah, there's stuff all over the place. Yeah. Nice. Um, so, so I got to ask you, um, with doing hack slash and you talk about nightmare on the street and stuff like that. Um, if you could work on a horror book, what horror book would you work on? I can't say Constantine again, because that's the, it's the same thing. Um, <laughs> hang on. Let's see. Mm. I don't know. I've been out of the loop. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that's like or that's like more more recent kind of stuff. I can't think of anything. You can go old school. I don't know. Nothing sticking out, huh? Besides, besides like Vampirella, Constantine, um, I don't know. You got me on that one, yeah. Just those two are the ones that pop out the most. I can't think of anything else. 
Yeah. The uh, I, I always the one thing, you know, because DC had that really good relationship with Dark Horse for a while and they were doing all the Batman like Hellboy and and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like the fact that we never got a Constantine Hellboy crossover is mm-hmm. such a criminally just. <laughs> it would have made sense. Yeah. Yeah. The fact and the fact that we never got anything with Hellboy and the demon, too, which would have been perfect. <laughs> Yeah. But I don't know. Um so I I'm gonna we've been going an hour and a half. Um wrap up here soon. That's all yeah, right. I'll get ready to hop off here. Um so I got we'll ask um where can people find you? Uh pretty much uh Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh I have a website that I I have up right now and uh have been able to update a lot recently, but it's there. Uh, just DanielLeister.com. Uh, you can just Daniel Leister at any of the other places. Uh, I can give you a link for the beginning of Metal Ice Cream on Webtoons that people can check out. Um, and hopefully next year I'll have uh, the Kaleido book Dark Hurts coming out. Uh, we don't know what avenue that's going to be coming out yet, but we'll, I'll figure that out. And um, hopefully more from there. Um, are you doing? Are you taking commissions? right now usually right now i'm full-time on the kaleido book so i probably won't take i've got like two or three commissions sitting here in front of me that i need to finish that are just stalling on um i'll probably take more after like april the next year okay and uh i have to ask have you ever had to draw amethyst the princess of the gem world for darby watkins (laughs) Was it the Amethyst for what? Uh, the Princess of the Gem World from DC back in the day. Because Darby Watkins is a guy who gets like, he's the one, um, he's, he knows everybody. Um, and he's gotten, that's his go-to artwork. He has tons of commissions and that's the character he always has done. So he's got commissions from like uh, Adam Hughes, uh Campbell, he's got um, Linsner, he's got. I just figure, always wondered if he asked you. I don't think so. It doesn't really well, but, but after a certain time, and I've done so many, I don't remember. I, I don't think so. My, my, my go to is Satana from Marvel. And everybody's like, who? Satana from Marvel or Baroness from G.I. Joe? So, <laughs> Baroness, that's a nice one. I did a commission to her one time. She's fun. I'm pretty sure if I dig through my artwork, you did a commission of Baroness for me at one point. So (laughs) that might be the only one that I did where she's like, she's like kneeling down and holding the gun and the big symbols behind her or. Uh, No, I just, it's just a, maybe it's like a headshot. It's a long, long time. Oh, okay. So. Okay. So, um, all right. Well, I appreciate the hell out of you coming on here and, uh, I will post all your information here at the end of the episode. And, um, I I would like to put something together down the road because I'd like to get you, maybe a couple other guys talking comics and stuff like that. Artists and writers who just drop me. Yep. It's, it's a work in progress. I'm, I'm still getting used to the whole uh zoom thing because i used to actually go and interview people and now i just do this 
So I know I'm still like trying to push buttons, trying to figure out how to connect everything. I'm slowly working on it. So we'll get better and better. And definitely um, let me know if anything like that comes up. That'd be a lot of fun. And just trying to come out of my show and actually talk to people from time to time. Yeah. Cause you, you've been, you've been, uh, you, you've been sadly missed on the, on the uh, convention circuit around here uh, back in the day. Um, I, I, shoot, I remember one of the last, geez, I remember the last time me and you talked and hung out. Um, I remember we hung out at uh, probably Gem City, maybe I don't know Gem City or Champion City or Mid. I don't know. It's been a long time. That stuff all starts blurring together. Yeah, after at a some while. point, like when I hope to do like a like Ohio tour and just hit a bunch of shows and cons and uh, shops and just do a whole Ohio tour at some point. Well, in June, I have my convention, and in November, we have my convention here in town. So, we'd love to have you. Oh, nice. Yeah. I can, Ooh, I drop can, me in line, man. Let me know. Yeah, See what's I, going on that month. I will. I'm I, I, I pretty sure I got the date nailed down. I just I got, I got to check a couple little things, because um, basically, we're using an, uh, a half-empty mall. So... <laughs> Is that the Century Three Mall or where? Where is that? No, it's the uh, Upper Va uh, Miami Valley Center Mall in Piqua. It's it's the. I'm I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Pittsburgh. There's an empty mall there. So. Yeah, my God, I ain't been to Pittsburgh since uh um, I went there the last year of Pittsburgh Comic Con, and then uh, when Wizard World bought it, I never went back. So yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, the, the good old days of Pittsburgh Comic Con. Because so, I always liked Pittsburgh because it was a comic convention. They very had very few media guests. You had maybe a couple of the people from Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, because it was literally filmed right there. And that was it. And uh, I miss those days. <laughs> yeah, a little bit more comic-centric is nice. Yeah, that's the, you talk about heroes. Uh, I've never been there, and I keep planning to go, and I have it's not definitely. Been. I mean, there's there are other people there but the heavy saturation is the artist alley mm -hmm. and it's just great wandering through there and seeing tons and tons of great artists mm -hmm. yeah because uh uh like we were talking about darby darby's always trying to talk me into going down there but it's it's i think it's legitimately my birthday weekend which makes it a little mm -hmm. hard to do so mm -hmm. yeah but i'm gonna let you go sir so you can do what you need Yep. And uh, if you're like me, you're a night owl, but you know, you got kids. So <laughs> I don't get sleep very much now. No, I, I go to bed about two in the morning and I get up about nine. It's my average day. So, Six, seven. Yep. So luckily, Vince crashes and he don't wake me up early, and but he keeps me up late. So, but uh, thank you, sir. I appreciate the hell out of this. Um, and I will keep you in the loop and we'll, we'll put something together and I'll get you, I want to get you up here for our convention. So, and uh, all that fun stuff. Man, let me know. All right. Well, I'm going to say goodbye and I will talk to you soon.